I'll tell you, you know, just minutes from the Kansas City Jazz Museum and Negro Leagues Hall of Fame is a city that's filled with many hidden jewels. Independence, Missouri is home to multiple historic churches, modern sites, and other attractions that offer ties to African-American legacy. And joining us from Independence, Missouri Tourism is Janine Agin. Welcome to Traveling On, Janine. Well, hello. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Well, it's our pleasure to uh, to have you on our show. You know, not surprisingly, early slaves were instrumental in the building of independence infrastructure, but the city was also home to free black pioneers who ultimately became leading citizens in the town, like um, Hiram Young, Emily Fisher, and Sister Mary Jerome Shubrick. Tell us a little bit about those individuals and some of the sites that are in place now that still honor them. Sure. Um, actually, Hiram Young was originally a slave himself, and then he earned his freedom, and he became a very skilled blacksmith shop uh, owner. He and his wife owned one of the most successful at the times, and actually, you need to know just a little bit about independence to understand why there were so many blacksmiths here. At the height of the blacksmith industry, there were 26 shops in independence. Um, independence was the edge of the civilized world, and from independence, this was used as a jumping-off point for people following one of the three westward migration trails to either Santa Fe, California, or independence. So he made um, wagons, he made um, harnesses, he made, uh, you know, shoed animals, and he was um, very, very much impressed with the idea of trying to help other blacks who could earn their freedom as well, and so he would help buy them out of freedom, earn their freedom. And then at the time he was uh, retired, he also decided to try to um, educate blacks, and so he bought and established the first school for African Americans in independence, named after him, the Hiram Young School. Uh, Unfortunately, the original school is not in existence anymore, but if you go to 501 West Dodgian in Independence, you can see the replacement school that was built in 1934. Uh, it's not currently used as a school, but it is um, still standing, and you can still see that building. Um, his grave, as well as Emily's and Sister Shubrick's, is in the Woodlawn Cemetery on Nolan Road, and they have put three beautiful new modern um pretty substantial markers and headstones uh, detailing their history and their accomplishments and independence. Now, Janine, one of the things about uh, about uh, independence is that it's part of the Kansas City uh, metro area. It's right next door, and I'm sure a lot of people, as, as Tanya kind of did the lead-in, know about the Jazz Museum and uh, the Negro Leagues Museum because of its uh, uh, headquarters there in Kansas City. But Independence, too, has a lot of uh, significant attractions. You, you mentioned the Woodlawn Cemetery, but there are a lot of places, too, within Independence that have some significance, such as the, the Log Courthouse and uh, the 1859 Jail. Tell us about, uh, about the Log Courthouse, because uh, a lot of these places were built by slaves. Right, and the slaves, uh, many of the slaves were excellent craftsmen. They had good reputations. Um, Sam Shepard was the slave that was the primary builder of the 1827 Log Courthouse that's just a block from our current square area. Um, It was built out of black walnut, and because it was so sturdy, 
it still exists today. How many buildings are around that were built in 1827? You know, not, not very many. And this courthouse was actually for 40 years the last courthouse between Independence and the Pacific Ocean. At hmm. one time, in fact, President Harry Truman, who was not present at the time, his courtroom and court office uh, office in the historic Jackson County Courthouse on the Square was undergoing renovations, and so he held court in this little 1827 log courthouse that's just a, a small two-room courthouse with um, you know a couple of fireplaces in them. So Sam Shepard was one of the builders of that, and I think for his labor, the city paid him the grand, his owner rather, the grant sum of $200 for building that structure. Um, the 1859 Jail and Marshall's home was also built by slave labor, and this is up on the square also. Um, in fact, that is still open for touring uh, at this time. And the 1859 Jail housed thousands of prisoners during a really bloody time in the border wars before the Civil War in Jackson County history. So you can come and see and hear stories of um, famous and not-so-famous prisoners, the most famous of which was Frank James and also the Civil War guerrilla raider uh, William Clark Quantrell. But um, after the Civil War, many of the African Americans were not really experiencing a great deal of prosperity. Some turned to crime, and so there were more than their share of African Americans in the jail. And uh, a sweet nun by the late name of Sister Mary Jerome Schubert was really taken by their plight of how miserable the conditions were because many of them did not read. She would come and she would read to them. She would bring them food. She would write letters to their family. And she was such a faithful um, helper to the prisoners there that they gave her her own key, which is still on display in the jail today. You can go and see her key. And she was called the prisoner's friend when she was buried at Woodlawn Cemetery. That's what they engraved on her tombstone. Oh, I love that story. And, you know, another story that, that, that I love that's um, so much a part of your history is um, an exhibit, I believe, that takes uh, that is set in the National Frontier Trails Museum. Uh, it talks about um, his, David Brown's relationship with his wife and uh, the I Remain Your Affectionate Wife exhibit. Tell us a little bit about that. I think it's just such a beautiful love story, frankly. Well, it is, and actually it's also quite unusual because um, people who went to the gold rush, many times the men would go and the women would stay back behind because it was, you know, rough and tumble and, and they didn't know what was at the other end, and so they called these women gold rush widows. And there were not very many African-American men who went out to fetch their fortune in the gold rush fields. But about 7%, they think, of the people who went west on the gold rush trail were African-American. So one of these men, his name is David Brown, and he decided for whatever reason to go look for his fortune there. But his wife, who must have been a little bit of a... Uh, independent, strong spirit, did not want to go. She said she had bad teeth and her mother's health was poor, and, and she just was not going to pack up and go to California. Um, at the time, there were not very many African-American women who were educated or who could write, and Rachel was both of those. She was obviously very educated. Um, there is a collection of her letters in the exhibit that is probably one of the biggest um, collections of writings by African-American women at the time, and she implores David, you know, can you send more money? When are you coming home? 
Uh, but she has a beautiful hand. Uh, she actually writes like a school teacher. And um, these are very few of the letters that exist. Her letters to him existed, but his letters back to her, uh, nobody knows what happened to them. Um, the sad story is, eventually, because he was there and she was here, she filed for divorce, she remarried, but they still have these letters that tell the sad story of somebody pining, you know, way back here, uh, far away from California, as, and, and he didn't ever make a fortune. Uh, obviously, he died uh, fairly poor. But mm-hmm. um, that is an exhibit that is here, and it's got a, a picture of her church where she went. Unfortunately, there's not a picture of her, but we have her letters, and we also have pictures of um, unnamed African-American gold miners that were there on the um, gold fields. And so you can come and kind of get a glimpse into history of the few people who were African-American descent that went west to get gold. Hmm. And another museum that uh, that I'm really interested in is the uh, Truman Presidential Museum and Library because it really gives a glimpse of modern black history um, oh. through its permanent uh, exhibit where the desegregation of the armed forces is explored. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, many people do not know that Harry Truman was really an early believer in civil rights. And I don't think he gets quite the credit for his efforts that he took. Um, he was very involved in World War I. He served as a captain in his Battery D uh, artillery command. And he saw what it was like for everyone to be serving um, and fighting. During World War II, there were only at that time black units and white units. And when people who came back from World War II that were black veterans were um, you know, pulled off a bus and beaten or blinded or killed. This just absolutely infuriated Truman. And so even though it was not a popular decision with his own party or nationally, he felt so strongly that he started the Commission on Civil Rights and also 60 years ago um, signed an order, just a simple order, integrating the armed forces, which of course has... Um, come down today to be the fact that they're completely integrated, Uh, all races are in the American forces right now. If you go to the Truman Library, there's a fascinating little area called a decision theater where you go in and you can sit down and you can hear and watch film clips of some of the things that Truman had to consider as he had to decide what was best for the country. Would it be best for him to try to integrate? Would it alienate so much of the South that he would lose his next bid for re-election? What did he feel personally? Um, All these different factors came into play, and there's other scenarios in this exhibit, too. But the interesting thing is, as you watch what's going on, the film and the displays will ask you what you think was the most important and what Truman thought was most important. And then there's little rows of buttons on the seats in front of you. You get to vote, and the audience votes and the results are displayed up on the screen. You know, so many people think that this was good or this was bad. Um, and then downstairs, there is a recreation of the West Wing of the White House, at least their version mm. of it. And student groups or corporate groups or senior groups or any groups that want to can come and can do participate in a simulation exercise called the White House Decision Center. And there's four different scenarios where actual artifacts and documents from the uh, Truman Library have been reproduced. People um, have to arrange for this ahead of time. They study the documents, 
And then they come and they take part as if they were Truman's cabinet in trying to make decisions of crisis situations that happened during Truman's presidency. One of those scenarios is a day-long simulation of integrating the armed forces. So hmm. you're assigned to be the commander-in-chief. Somebody may be the secretary of state. Somebody may be the president. And they work through these different exercises, and they come up with their own um, results, and then they go into a White House press briefing room like the ones you see on TV and do a press conference. And so some of the participants will be members of the press corps acting decision. But it really makes history come alive. And that very exciting time of the beginning of the Civil Rights Movement um, is part of that White House Decision Center experience. Well, Janine, that's a, a fascinating history, and I think it's important that uh, that that connection between Truman and the later executive order that was signed by President Johnson that uh, that brought further uh, equality into our federal government. So it's nice to see that uh, historical link between the different presidencies. And we thank you so much for being with us to share the story about Independence, Missouri, and all of the wonderful things there that people can see and do in the Kansas City area. And before we go, uh, Janine, can you share the uh, uh, your tourism uh, website with our listening audience? Oh, we'd love to. People can... Um See our brochures, get discount coupons, or more information by going to www.visitindependence.com um, 24 hours a day. All right. Well, we'll leave it right there, and we thank you so much for being with us today.